welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. It feels like just yesterday that LSU won a national championship Monday night in New Orleans, but my goodness, it has uh, been a whirlwind of a week. Two coaching departures for LSU, maybe more on the way, and we're going to start right there. I'm Billy Ambody. With me, Shay Dixon, and LSU defensive coordinator Dave Aranda is expected to be named the next head coach of Baylor. There are a few other candidates involved, but Dave Aranda is going to be leaving Baton Rouge after four years with the program, building one of the top defenses in college football. They regressed a little bit this year, but there wasn't a unit playing as well as they were down the stretch this season, helping LSU to their fourth national championship. Shay, when we kind of broke this on, on Thursday afternoon, we were kind of building and building all this information. And look, just kind of as we put it, all signs pointed to Dave Aranda being named the next Baylor head coach, and that's what happened shortly thereafter. Yeah, I mean, we knew it was trending that way. It was pretty obvious that uh, that things were going to end up with uh, him landing a job, a head coaching job at some point, because he got connected to that UNLV job um, kind of right as the season end, ended, which is when the coaching carousel began. Uh, and while he didn't get the job or, or you know wasn't offered the job, uh, we did talk to him uh, in bowl season when coordinators are made available. Uh, and he said, look, it, it was an, a privilege to even be considered. Uh, head coaching job is something I am interested in. And uh, it's big. You know, you have to think for uh, your family, kind of what is your best move. And uh, I think after, what, four years in Baton Rouge to win a national championship, he felt like he had accomplished enough as a D.C. to say, okay, uh, let me go ahead and make the move. Uh, Baylor's a team that in the Big 12 has obviously had uh, some recent success under Matt Rule, and uh, with Matt Rule gone, it opened the door for him uh, to become a candidate. And, Billy, you you kind of track things with UL as well, and Billy Napier was involved there. Look, look, Billy Napier was kind of in the mix from Mississippi State and some other jobs. Uh, it's evident he's holding out uh, in Lafayette for something uh, else that he has in his mind on, I should say. It wasn't Baylor. Uh, Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech said he was staying, and really it came down to uh, of the guys who were not already on Baylor staff. Uh, Randa was the number one target. They got the deal done, uh, and yeah, I mean by early morning, Billy, we were kind of getting calls from people, and and you had kind of felt good about it by lunch and saying, uh, look, this is done. Uh, he's going to be named the D, uh, the DC at Baylor. Baylor has now officially announced while we're doing this pod uh, on Thursday evening. Uh, that it is official. He is the D.C., and we can turn our conversation over to Billy, who is the next defensive coordinator in Baton Rouge. Yeah, and I, and I think you mean the new head coach of Baylor. Um, but, yeah, no, LSU. <laughs> Did I say D.C.? Con- yeah, you said D.C. Hey, man, you've, he's had that uh, moniker in front of his name for so long, it's hard to shake. It's hard to shake. Um, Put some respect on his name, Shay. My bad. <laughs> Well, speaking of D.C., for Dave Aranda, he could very well be bringing Bill Bush along with him. I think that's something that uh, we both uh, feel is, is, is heading towards being a done deal as well. We'll see if, if that happens. But, look, I, I think for Aranda, uh, he's somebody that, that said, I really like the way Baylor played this season. He's got a roster with a lot of athletes on it, the way Matt Rule recruited. And I think it was a good – I don't necessarily think he's somebody – that from the outside looking in, you think fits very well at Baylor, but he's a very cerebral guy. Anytime you you sit down with him and talk, and I got to do that 
at media day before the national championship. And, and I've sat in on some of his, his film room uh, and coaches clinic uh, meetings with, with other coaches. And, and there's just not a more impressive guy I've been around on a, on a whiteboard or anything like that than Dave Aranda. So I think it's going to be an interesting fit, but look, I'm happy for Dave Aranda to finally get his uh, opportunity to be a head coach. Yeah. And I mean, boy, he served LSU well uh, across those years. And it was one of those things too, Billy, it reminds me of Corey Raymond uh, every year, his name would get brought up as uh, would he go somewhere else at 10 in the beginning? It was, would he take a different DC job? Well, that never made sense if you were already at LSU. So uh, his next step was going to be a head coach and uh, yeah, kudos to him. And Hey, look, we got off scot-free. We went about four or five years uh, on go 24 seven without having to cover a DC search. So uh, we threw up a hot board, and hell, let's dive into some of the names. Yeah, we're not going to give them all away because uh, those are for some of our VIP subscribers on Go247. If you're not on board, 60% off an annual subscription gets you access to that hot board. So we highly encourage you. But one name that, that I want to highlight is, is Brad White, who's currently the defensive coordinator at, at Kentucky and had a unit that was really one of the best in the country. He's somebody that, when, when talking with uh, a couple agents and a couple sources uh, around the college football community. I mean, that was some somebody that I think is going to try to position at least himself for this job. He spent time in the NFL, so he's got that NFL background that Ed Ogeron seems to like. Um, and they had just one of the best defenses in, in college football this year and, and ranked higher than, than LSU in terms of uh, yards giving up and, and, and played uh, Florida very well. Uh, which, which LSU uh, did not really with Kyle Trask. So I know a lot of fans will kind of look and see common opponents and things like that. That's one name that, that really stood out to me. And he's an outside linebackers coach, so he could pretty naturally make that adjustment to, you know, taking over the linebacker spot, which Dave Aranda coached as well. What's, what's a name that I think you uh, want to highlight uh, on the board? Well, you know, I guess this one, I don't, some fans will kick back at it. Others say they love it. But, I mean, I think one of the guys you have to start with is Todd Grantham. And, and look, I know he's 53. Uh, if you're wanting a younger guy in this position um, and want someone under the age of 50, then maybe Grantham isn't your guy. But he's making $1.8 million. LSU uh, could pay him more than that. Uh, and I think he would be deserving of it. Look, he was very good at Mississippi State. He follows Mullen to Florida. Very good there. You look what they did this year defensively, uh, finished ninth in the country. I think they gave up about 300 yards a game. Finished even higher than that in the top 10 in scoring defense points per game, right at about 15 points per game allowed. So I think he's one with an attacking style of defense that you have to really like. And people will say, well, that's a lateral move. Well, you don't always know all the situations that go into it. His son's back at Mississippi State playing baseball. Uh, there's been rumors over the years that him and Mullen aren't as tied to the hip as uh, people might think. So um, I would list him as, as one guy who I think would probably uh, belong near the top of the list. And, uh, and look, I'll give you another, only because it, it comes straight after uh, them having success with uh, a guy from Wisconsin and Dave Aranda, a guy with Wisconsin ties, obviously, from uh, making the jump from uh, there to here, is Jim Leonard. Uh, and he has, you know, been really, what, defensive coordinator at Wisconsin for uh, how long now? Not very long, since maybe 2016, 17, uh, I think is when he took over as D.C. But they've been nothing but great. Uh, I know that uh, he went to college at Wisconsin, and uh, maybe he's sitting around there hoping 
uh, one day to be the head coach. But I'd make a phone call because Wisconsin has consistently been good on defense. Uh, Aranda was very good when he was there, and uh, they seem to just have things figured out on that side of the ball. And uh, as a guy who's been, look, he did a little time with the New Orleans Saints. He knows Louisiana. Uh, I would have him at least as a guy on my list as a young guy, too, because he's not even 40 years old yet. I think he's about 36, 37, uh, given his playing career in the NFL didn't end uh, too long ago. So if you want the older crowd uh, or very, I guess you'd say veteran, uh, proven coordinator in the SEC, I'd start with Todd Grantham. Uh, but then I would also go not far down the list, a guy like Jim Leonard, um, Billy, but I know people will say too, I hope, and I don't think anyone wants me to think I'm skipping over guys like this. I thought Kevin Steele was one of the best DCs LSU's had in you know the past 10, 20 years. Uh, I know he's at Auburn and most knew that he was going back there to, to get closer to state retirement. I wouldn't hate giving him a call. Uh, and everyone's going to say Brent Venables, right? And don't hold what Joe Burrow and them did uh, to that Clemson D against him. But uh, I wouldn't see why a guy who was already making pretty much as much as Randa would leave Clemson, which is a, a pretty cush job having to play uh, in the ACC versus the SEC. Yeah, and and I think Jim Leonard would be an outstanding hire. And if Bill Bush were to leave as well, there's an opening in the secondary for a second coach to come in, and then you can hire another linebackers coach or bring bring one of Leonard's guys from from Wisconsin, uh, kind of similar to how Dave Aranda did with with Bill Bush, who who he had has ties to. Uh, so I think yeah, LSU is going to have a lot of money to throw around. They're not paying Joe Brady that two million dollars. The next passing game coordinator or whatever role Ed Ogeron decides to to bring somebody in to to replace Brady is is not going to be paid what Joe Brady was going to get paid. So they've got a lot of money to toy around with. There'll be some assistants that need raises, need this, need that. Coaching carousel on the assistant side probably isn't done, let's be honest. Um, but overall, LSU's in a great spot, right? They won a national championship, one of the hottest teams in college football. Ed Ogeron won all the Coach of the Year awards, and they're coming off a season that is arguably the best in college football history. So. I think they're going to be able to attract a lot of quality candidates for the defense coordinator job and, and that job left open by Joe Brady, who departed for the Carolina Panthers. And let's attack that. What was your reaction to that? And and I, for me, I think Joe Brady needed to make that jump to the NFL, which he wanted to do and do it while uh, his name was as hottest as it'll ever be. He would have been absolutely, I'm not going to call it stupid, it, it would have been dumb for him not to jump all over that. Uh, and you know this, but I'll say it again and out loud for everybody out there who also gets it. This cat, 15 games ago, had never been an assistant coach at the FBS level or at the NFL level. He was in quality control with the Saints. He had been an analyst at Penn State under Moorhead. And then he gets his big break, passing game coordinator at LSU, and boy, did they ever explode. He goes 15-0 and with this team, wins a national championship, and you strike now, becomes the youngest OC in the NFL at, what, 30 years old, basically. Uh, but no, no way you don't take it. And we knew all along, we had always said this on the board, he wasn't going anywhere else to be a college offensive coordinator. He would just wait it out of LSU if that was his goal. He wanted to get back in the NFL. He just didn't know that it would be an OC job this quickly and I'll play devil's advocate. He stays around next year, and LSU doesn't look as good as they are this year. Nobody, then people are going to be like, well, I mean, yeah, Joe Brady. I mean, they were 
some good passing concepts. And, and boy, they, you know, redid LSU's offense from the I-form days. But, you know, it wasn't what he was with Joe Burrow. And, and I guess the verdict's still out on, on that. But obviously, he's a bright mind. He gets the game. He's a hard worker. I think he'll have success. But he would have been absolutely foolish not to cash in on the opportunity for a guy like Matt Rule, a respected coach, to say, hey, come be with the Panthers. The Panthers aren't the Bengals or the Dolphins. Like, they're not bad. They've got good pieces. So, uh, yes, I would I would have had to uh, go find Joe Brady. I'm not even boys with him. I would have had to go find him and, and give him a slap across the face if he would not have taken that job because, boy, that is one of the biggest breaks any coach will ever get uh, his first 15 games of coaching. And, and look, not many people had time to get close to Joe Brady. Like you said, he was only here a year. But I'll remember this. And one of the uh, first times that we got to hang out with, with Joe Brady, I ran into him at good old Superior Grill, where, you know, great things happen on Highland uh, over there. If you guys don't uh, know about Superior Grill, check it out. That is not an ad, but uh, hopefully one. And it, he's he was fresh off the recruiting trail and gone down to South Florida and he had seen Marcus Dumerville and seen some of the skilled position players down there. But one of the main players that he had gone down to see wasn't practicing, wasn't at school, wasn't able to meet with him. And it was just kind of one of those things where he was frustrated. He was frustrated. He was on the road, flying in and out of airports and having to, you know, be down there when who he was going down there to see wasn't been practicing. And that's when I kind of figured, okay, well, I don't know if Joe Brady's going to be cut out for recruiting because if he put his mind to it, he'd be great at it, I would imagine. But just that frustration level of, of the whole ring aspect was something I don't think he ever um, not not wanted to do because if you, you talk to some of the quarterbacks that have been around him uh, on, in the recruiting process, they all had high praise for him. But it's a different world in, in the college recruiting world, and some guys don't want to be a part of that. And I would say – Brady is one of those guys. Million percent. And and I remember uh, one of the first conversations I had with him in the spring. Uh, he said, man, is uh, the SEC is crazy. You know, you, you go to work at 6 a.m. and you go home at midnight and, you, you know, get much sleep and you're right back here. And Innsmouth, you're sleeping at the office. Is that normal? Uh, we're always on the road. I said, yeah. He said, man, even Sean Payton gets a couple of months off. Uh, let alone what everybody else in the Saints staff got. So uh, I think for a guy like him, coaching ball is what he's in it for and uh, not so much. It takes a, a special kind of cat to coach uh, at the highest level in college when uh, it requires balancing, uh, not just coaching and the pressure that comes with that uh, of game planning and practice and all that, but also recruiting and then making sure kids are academically eligible and making sure uh, they're not in trouble and, and all that comes with <laughs> you know, your, you know, career being hung on uh, the balance of current 18 to 22-year-olds and uh, the future being held on uh, or hung in the balance of, what, 16 to 18-year-olds making a college choice. So I knew that, um, I knew then it probably, his goal was to get to the NFL. Kudos to him. Uh, boy, it came probably way quicker than he ever anticipated. Congratulations to, to Joe Brady for uh, cashing in and getting an opportunity to call plays at the NFL level. That's what he wanted to do, and that's what he'll do for the Carolina Panthers uh, for the foreseeable future as he joins Matt Rule's staff. Uh, there's, like I said, I think we're not done with the coaching carousel part of things, but 
I think one thing we can touch on is the plans for that open spot on the offensive side of the ball with Joe Brady and John DeCoster, the tight ends coach and graduate assistant, left for Old Dominion to be an on-field uh, full-time 10th assistant uh, at the college level. So he's getting his opportunity. And one, you have one person in mind for the natural replacement for Joe Brady as well. I mean, I think it's if, if it's me, and I don't get paid any money, and I don't know anything really, but I would, I don't see why it's not George Munoz. I mean, this is a guy that Joe Burrow adamantly said he needs to come to New York with me. Uh, he needs to be at the Heisman, and uh, he was up there and, and sitting right next to to Joe Brady and Steve Insminger. And uh, for everybody that you know watches games, uh, and that's pretty much everybody that's listening. Burrow, excuse me, Burrow, uh, Brady and, and Insminger were in the booth together, kind of side by side. And George Munoz was the guy with the headset on the field uh, talking to, you know, all the offensive players, talking to, to Burrow throughout, talking to him in between series. So uh, you knew that he's got a good grip on this. Burrow so many times in interviews with us credited him for uh, being the guy that worked with him, uh, you know, kind of in a quarterback development uh, role as Insmere focused on the whole offense and Brady focused on the passing game and working with the receivers. So I don't see – how you don't give George Munoz an extremely hard look. He had success at UL um, up until the Hudson staff staff got fired. Uh, if you don't hire him, he's going to go somewhere else because uh, he was already in the mix for the Oregon OC job. Uh, he's going to have other interests. So uh, I like it. I, I think that if you keep someone around who already has worked with and knows Miles Brennan, that helps for next year. He knows the offense. He uh, is very good friends with Steve Insminger. Um, Ed Orgeron trusts him. I think that if you want to start checking boxes, uh, then George Munoz makes complete sense to me. And uh, if that's who they hired and moved into that role, I would completely understand it and, and say good on O for getting it done. And, and having a guy like that in place, to uh, if you were to lose Joe Brady, to be able to make a, a transition pretty seamless. Yeah, I completely agree. And we'll See how it ends up, but we'll be dropping tidbits on what we're hearing on all these coaching positions on Go 24-7. Like I said, encourage you guys to check that out. Take advantage of that 60% off deal. On the other side of this break, now that we're done talking about all the kind of the bad news for LSU, we're going to reflect on a national championship Monday night in New Orleans. Shea and I were both there. What an incredible night for LSU. We're going to talk about that more on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Feel free to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. We appreciate all of that. 
Jay, Monday night, uh, it was a little dicey there early on, but like Joe Burrow said, they really just kept playing football. They, they were able to lock in, rally from down 10, and eventually take over and completely control the ball game and win 42-25 over Clemson. What a dominant performance by LSU's offense when the dust finally settled and the defense shut down Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and that high-powered Clemson offense as well. Sitting up there high above the playing field, you could see it start to come together there in that second quarter, and, and LSU just kind of rolled from there. Yeah, I was about to say, it didn't take, didn't take too long for the, the dust to settle and for them to get uh, grooving in that game. And, and look, I know we just talked, well, they've, they've had all of these guys go pro. You've got to replace Joe Brady and Dave Aranda. But uh, my message to LSU fans would uh, be the one that hopefully they're soaking in. Uh, and smoke them if you got them. Enjoy it. You just went 15-0. and 0. They're talking about you all over as one of the maybe the best teams of all time. And you were losing Joe Burrow anyway. So you weren't going to be replicating what just happened because nobody's replicated that in, uh, or done it before in the history of college football, not at the level they did this year, certainly offensively with smashing every SEC record, breaking most NCAA records, winning the Heisman, winning Coach of the Year, going undefeated, um, absolutely boat racing uh, everyone from the SEC championship uh, through the semis into the national uh, title game, having it won in New Orleans. You've waited for this since t- 2007, uh, the last time LSU won a national championship. Sit back and enjoy it. Uh, I know everybody did that was in the building, uh, in the Superdome, or, or watching at home, or wherever you were at the local watering hole. Uh, it was a great night to be an LSU fan. And uh, don't let this sour you because, look, this is what happens. It, it, you pay the price to be the best. And, and, look, if you don't believe me, go see what Bama goes through every year. I mean, Nick Saban has to find new coaches every year because everybody comes and plucks them. Uh, and his players go pro early because they develop them and they win at a high level. Uh, and right now, I think the difference, look, LSU's had a bunch of players go pro before, but for different reasons than now. Before they were going pro because they felt like they were being a bit underutilized, that uh, they weren't finding the success that they wanted. And they said, hey, look, now if I've got a chance to go get paid to do this, I'm doing it. This time around, I think a lot of guys, and now granted, most of these were expected, but I think guys like Patrick Queen, um, Sadiq Charles, Jacob Phillips, some guys like that who aren't going to be first-round picks said, uh, hey, look, I turned in a big year. We won every game. I, get to get, I got a national championship. Uh, it ain't getting much better than that for me, and uh, because my stock is so high, I'm ready to test the waters. Uh, that's a good reason to do it. Uh, look, it only helps with recruiting when more of these guys are going to be in the NFL, kind of being much like Tredavious White and um, Jamal Adams and Leonard Burnett uh, and all these guys who are kind of a younger generation uh, LSU players, Devin White most recently, uh, making a big splash in the NFL. Uh, that helps you with recruiting. So, um, yes, look, LSU's not going to be as good this year as they were next year. That would have been the, if they would have kept Joe Brady – uh, every single person would have stayed, uh, kept Dave Aranda. They still wouldn't have been this good because they didn't have Joe Burrow. So that's just bottom line for me. Let him rebuild. Have some faith in O at this point because he's probably deserved uh, a bit of patience from fans to, to say, look, hey, I put together this staff. I can try to do it again. Uh, he went out and got Joe Burrow at a time when people said, well, who's Joe Burrow? Well, if they do this, they're going to run off Lowell Narcisse and McMillan and what if Brennan doesn't stay and now what? I don't think anybody cared about any of that. So 
trust in Orgeron. Um, is, now, look, he's got a big rebuild ahead of him, but uh, I think from, if I'm a fan, he's at least earned some patience from me. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I think, I think Orgeron is now, uh, at this point, quieted any sort of doubters that are out there. He's got a tall task on his hand to, to replace these coaches and replace these players, but going back to Monday night, I mean, I, I just thought that once they figured out Clemson's defense and what they were trying to do, and think about this, and, and Anna Hickey, who, who covered Clemson, you guys heard her on the pod, uh, pod last week, she said this after the game, the, the Fiesta Bowl MVP, Chad Smith, did not play in the national championship game because of what Brent Venables was trying to do defensively to slow down LSU. And for a minute there, it worked. But Joe, Joe Burrow has said it time and again. Once we figured out what they were trying to do, we were able to do that. They did it all year, and it, it just... It's just such a credit to Joe Burrow and 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 the and the coaches Steve Ensminger and, and Joe Brady and what they were able to figure out because LSU rolled from there. I mean, those final three quarters were some of the best football they played all year against a team that's won 29 straight. So enjoy it. I, I was able to you know get out afterwards and and uh, get out on Bourbon and go to Pat O'Brien's and and everyone was just uh, it was a total LSU takeover on Bourbon Street and and just what a party it was in New Orleans on Monday night. Cool. Yeah, boy, that was, uh, and the whole weekend, it was, Clemson actually came, traveled well. Uh, boy, they had the stadium rocking for the first quarter, um, but I didn't see a ton of them out after the game. Um, and Billy, yes, uh, Bourbon Street, all of the quarter uh, was absolutely uh, on fire. And uh, LSU fans having fun celebrating this. And I think uh, Herb Street said it uh, on, the, on the broadcast when I rewatched the game. Uh, he said he had never, as many years as he had been doing um, big games, playoff games, national championships, he had never covered a team that was, and he didn't say it was cocky. He said as confident as LSU. He said, I, from talking to Burrow to uh, anyone on the roster, every one of them said, we know we're going to win, and we really don't have any doubt about it. Uh, Burrow was on pardon my take the next day, uh, and he said even when they were down 10 for the first time really all season, uh, in the game against Clemson, uh, he said, look, there was no rah-rah speech. Coach O didn't tell us anything. We all knew, look, we're, it'll settle in. We're going to click, and we'll beat them. And, and I guess my point being is I think LSU fans felt the same way. I didn't have any fans asking me, what do you think about the game? You know, do you think we have a shot? You know, they were playing a team that not would have won 29 in a row. Trevor Lawrence had never lost a college game. He hadn't lost a game since 2017. Uh, Davo Sweeney, one of the best coaches in the biz. Venables, one of the best in the business. Always recruiting number one or two recruiting classes. And no fans felt like they weren't going to win that game. Uh, so I think that just sums up really kind of how rare and special this season was for LSU, which is why I would reiterate to fans listening to the pod, uh, trying to figure out why uh, the world seems to be burning down this week with uh, Brady and Aranda gone and so many guys going pro. Uh, is just look, continue to soak it in. Uh, your championship parade is on Saturday. You're at the White House on Friday. Uh, this kind of stuff doesn't come around every year for LSU. So enjoy it. Uh, you don't have to worry about an LSU football game again until next September. Uh, you got plenty of time to stress out then. Uh, right now, just kind of enjoy the ride you've been on. No doubt. A fun one it's been, man. Uh, uh, and that, that pardon my take uh, interview with, with Joe Burrow was was an all-timer. I mean, I, I 
if you want to drum up some some excitement for the parade on on uh, uh, Saturday, saying that he's going to gronk that parade is is uh, about as uh, <laughs> good of an indication as to what what Joe Burrow. Uh, we're going to see on on Saturday now that he can let loose. He's done a really good job in his entire LSU career of keeping that focus just locked in on winning a national championship. And he did it, and now he deserves to have a little bit of fun. Oh, 100%. 100%. We'll see if he's – I'm sure there's uh, going to be no alcohol allowed on these floats, so we'll see if anyone didn't throw him some beers up there uh, so that he can, quote, gronk that parade. But uh, he will be there. I know that uh, Delpit and all those guys will be there, and – uh, then they'll all take off to start training for the NFL draft. But, yes, uh, it's on campus on Saturday. I know it ends in the PMAC. It's weather permitting. So, like, if it is pouring, they won't do the actual kind of stroll around campus. They'll just do it in the PMAC. But uh, regardless, if, if you kind of want a last glimpse of all those guys in purple and gold or just uh, show your support for the season that was, get out there. We'll be out there uh, hanging around and, and chatting with everybody. So should be a good time. And, uh, look, our final chance to to kind of enjoy the the season that was for LSU before we dive into uh, more coaching kind of search stuff and signing day. And, and before you know it, Billy, I'm telling you, you'll blink your eye and spring ball will be here. Yeah, I mean, Dabo Sweeney said it for them after the game. I think they start spring ball in like 28 days, which is just wild. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's just wild when, when you think about it, these guys just – and Dave Aranda mentioned it when I talked to him after the game. He said, we've been going for a straight year. December or January 19th last year was when LSU started their football school. And it built all the way until January 13th, right? It's just like how they go that long uh, with their noses to, right to the grindstone is just unbelievable. And they deserve some time off. But uh, before you know it, like you said, it'll be spring ball. National Sign Day is around the corner, and we'll have everyone covered at Go 24-7 all the way through that. No official visits this weekend, but the next two week weekends after that will be as busy as it comes for Ed Ogeron and Go. Yeah, and we'll see. Look, they've got, what, five spots to fill given uh, Dwight McLeathern committed. They're really monitoring a lot of guys with academics down the stretch. Cam Jackson's been committed. Uh, he's one of them. Uh, but in addition to him, Alex Adams at receiver – uh, Tykeus Crawford at offensive tackle. Uh, we know that they're looking at running backs. Jameer Gibbs is in that mix. Uh, Kevontre Bradford out of Texas, a four-star. Uh, so they'll host some of those guys. But, uh, look, we're, we're hearing from multiple sources that uh, they will be testing the transfer portal. So I think when you get past all these kids declaring for the NFL uh, and you get a feel for what the board looks like the rest of the way in recruiting, uh, you figure out quickly. What positions do we really feel like uh, we might be shallow on depth at or need some immediate help at? Uh, and I would not turn away from a graduate transfer uh, or two or even three. We've seen them uh, go for as many as three transfers uh, in an offseason before. So um, I'd be absolutely floored if at least one of these spots, and I don't know the position for sure uh, because there might be multiple of them, but uh, at least one of them is going to go to a grad transfer. Yep, we'll be tracking all of that on Go 24-7. With that, I think it's time we wrap up this edition of the pod. Big thank you to everybody for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. A lot to unpack. Once all the NFL draft decisions are in, we're still waiting on Thad Moss, still waiting on Caleb Von Chasson. We're going to have a reaction pod to that and kind of reset things for LSU heading into 2020, at least as far as what we know they're going to have back. Maybe uh, preview the depth chart a little bit. We'll have that 
to you guys uh, when all of these draft decisions are done. So with that, for Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the pod and hope everyone has a great weekend celebrating LSU's national championship. Stay, stay safe out there, stay dry out there, and uh, catch us next time on the pod.